Hi, and welcome to the Connect2 podcast. This is episode 50 of our second season. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Ah, it's good to see you, man. I'm great. That's, You've been away. That's great. We've I've, been away. I haven't been eaten. You haven't been, <laughs> you have not been eaten. There's no. a story there. We'll get yes. to it. <laughs> he was not on uh, North uh, Sentinel Island. <laughs> I was also not on the TV show, The Menu, or the movie. So we're having... Uh, spoiler alert. That's a spoiler. <laughs> we are having... Is it Peru Medium today? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So today's coffee... Uh, so if you're new to the channel, rate, review, subscribe, join us on Apple iTunes. Um, Send us an email at... Uh, or uh, a message through our Connect2 Facebook page. Right. Um, or our email is connect2podcast at gmail.com. Right. Yeah. And today's coffee that we're tasting is from Agro Roasters out of Vancouver, British mm. Columbia. It is called Peru Medium. Nice. It is a Katura Bourbon Antipica. It is processed using the wash technique. It's a four out of five on the roast level. And um, tasting notes are chocolate, brown sugar, mm. and cherry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh. That is good. I'll definitely get the cherry. Yeah. Yeah. I can. That's kind of a, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I speak many, many Englishes, English, uh, languages. English is the best. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay. Um, got any tad, dad, uh, dad jokes? Uh, knock, knock. Who's there? No. No who? No dad joke this week. <laughs> I've been remiss. Oh, man. I could look him up on the web, but that seems cheap uh, as Mark is looking them up on the web. <laughs> well, uh, uh, what band do the owls listen to? The owls listen to. Do the owls band. listen to? Uh, the who? The who, yeah. yeah. You got it. Let's see. Uh, the brain is firing on all cylinders yeah. today. It's probably this coffee. Yeah, my dad just quit his job um, in archaeology. His, uh, his career is now in ruins. Ah. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Okay. Dreamed I was a muffler last night. Uh, I woke up exhausted. <laughs> so, what did you learn this week? What did I learn this week? Well, I learned you don't go into a non-approved submarine to tour... Uh... <laughs> To tour a wreck at 13,000 feet. Holy <laughs> Moses. Safety first. Talk about like a ridiculous story. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of there was a, there was a, there was a short lived television series in the 19, I'm going to say in the late seventies, might've been very early eighties and you can look this up. Um, and I think George Pippard was in it, who went on to be with the A team. But I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was, but anyways, it was called, I think it was called salvage one. And the premise of the show was that a rich guy. So you see the, the, the corollary here basically built uh, like a spaceship in his garage. You know, he had a bunch of salvage one, salvage one. It was on for like one season. And the whole idea was that they flew to the moon with this, Elon Musk made sort of homemade, but this thing was like literally like cobbled together in a garage so that they could go and salvage all of the, um, 
uh, NASA, like the lander and, and a bunch of that equipment that was left there. <laughs> okay. And so it was kind of an entertaining show. I, I, I remember watching it and enjoying it. Um, but th- that was the premise was this sort of homemade spaceship. And so when I started getting details about this, uh, uh, uh submarine, it, it reminded me of that, right? Like, wow. I mean, I love exploration. And if you think about, you know, early aviation, it was a bunch of guys who some of them survived, some of them didn't, but the fact that this thing, it's for profit. That's the thing that kills me. This It's one thing if it's just a, a bunch of jamokes that are like, we build our own submarine, we're going down to look at the Titanic and something happens and you sort of go, all right, you know, explorers, right? But they're charging people. Uh, was it 250000 Two Quarter of a million dollars. To so be you- like a tourist and be like, yeah, sorry we killed you. <laughs> I mean, it's Man, just you have got a memory like I got. So it is, it's not uh, uh, Papard, but it's Andy Griffith. So Andy it is Griffith oh broadcast my God, for right. 16 episodes yes. of the 20 produced during 1979. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know how long ago that was? That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, totally. And you've got the, 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 the ship was called the Vulture. The Vulture, <laughs> right. Made from reclaimed salvage and powered by a chemical called monohydrazine. There you go. The body was composed of a Texaco gasoline semi-trailer tank truck uh, with a cement mixer as the caps. Yeah, yeah. It was it was ridiculous, right? Yeah. Uh, who was who else was in the cast? Uh, yeah, Andy Griffith. Uh, Joel Higgins, Trish Stewart, uh, Richard J- Jackal. Uh, Jacqueline Scott, J.J. Saunders. Uh, okay, so nobody was super famous. Heather but McAdam. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I think it was on ABC or something. So it's right? actually two seasons. Oh, wow. Two, uh, four episodes were never aired. <laughs> the lost episodes of yeah. Salvage One. <laughs> Anyhow. So. Oh, look at that. Don't go up in, you know, uh, homemade air balloons, submarines, experimental aircraft. These are all things to be, yeah, I mean, you know, unless you're really, really an adventurer, um, which I guess one of the guys in the, in the thing is, but there's a father and son too, that are part of this. Yeah. And that's like not a, good. Um, they're like a, like a tech millionaire. Crazy. Just nuts. Anyhow, that's partly what I learned. You. What did I learn? Uh, I learned a lot of things. Um, uh, but uh, I learned how a quantum computer kind of works. Ooh, Although, I, saw, I saw a video on that too. But I still don't entirely understand it. Um, temperatures are crazy. They they call it they it's in micro Kelvin. It's one of the coldest things right. around. <clears throat> and um, but the idea is basically it uh, it's a different way of computing. Instead of using ones and zeros, you're using like uh, probability. So, right. Right. So instead of it being a, a binary, it can actually, well, it's superposition, right? So mm-hmm. the qubit can occupy any position, I, I guess, between zero and one, if that's even relevant. But you know what Michio Kaku said? I don't even know who Michio Kaku is. Michio Kaku is. is a physicist who is quite an entertaining guy. Uh, so he's often interviewed 
and he said, uh, if quantum computers and AI team up, watch out. <laughs> and I wasn't really sure what he meant by that. I think a lot of people are, are confused as well, but that's, that's what he said. Watch out. So, uh, what else did I learn? I learned, uh, I don't know. I learned, uh, I learned about, uh, uh, dewinterizing my camper is uh, I would when I first got my camper so the first thing you realize is that I there's certain things I value my time and other things <laughs> I don't so historically with my camper when it especially when it was new yep. I would take it in and say dewinterize it for me winterize it and dewinterize it right the, the catch is I've discovered that winterizing and dewinterizing like you pay a couple hundred bucks for I this, know it's ridiculously and it, and simple it's, and it's ridiculously simple like mm-hmm. probably takes 15 minutes yep I learned the same thing and yep. I'm going like now, and, and in the end the things that I really needed them to do they weren't really doing anyway so, <laughs> so one of the things you need to do on an annual basis is check um, for any caulking leaks on your roof yep, and absolutely. all that kind of stuff yep. and um, they didn't actually do that hmm. so um we picked up our motor home it was in storage for 18 months in, oh, a, really? in a quonset hut and it's a 1988 right so i mean the thing is it's not new so we were a bit worried so just recently you did this yeah friday um so we were a little bit worried that it was going to be a problem but i have to say i mean we had to recharge the batteries the guy that uh, it's a farm family that have a so they store people's rvs and stuff so uh you charge up the battery and it started up like a charm and we managed to get it home and rides it's riding smooth so you know something to be said for old technology not a not a microchip to be seen anywhere in the well thing. you know one of the things that's interesting so 18 months is a long time and uh it's one of these things that they don't really talk about in some of the like um what was the? Well, I guess it's actually maybe it's more like fifteen months. Yeah. It's, it's April twenty twenty. So one of the things with um, like um, the Last of Us. Oh so, yeah. So the whole premise of the Last of Us is that there's this cataclysmic uh, pandemic that wipes out tons of the population and right. people, you know, turns them will into find a vehicle because spores it, and, yeah, and but, sort of mushroom kind of zombies. But but great game. But part of it is. Uh, somehow they're able to find bullets and guns and stuff like that, which which is reasonable. Yep. Sort of. Uh, especially if you live in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> you can find lots of those. Yeah. Um, canned food. Canned food. But there is definitely an expiry date on canned food. You can't live off of cans indefinitely because uh, they go, they, they spoil over time. Yeah. And you probably have a few years, though. But more importantly is a vehicle. So a lot of times they'd find a vehicle with some gas and they'd drive 10 years after the fact. The problem is that gas um, ages. Right. And it degrades. And it is, um, so you actually kind of need fresher gas um, because you have, um, you can have problems with basically it not firing properly. Mm -hmm. The the, the gas as it sits starts to slowly... um, for lack of a better word, disassemble, but it right. decays mm. and then the chains aren't as long and it doesn't really perform nearly as well. Sure. 10 years is, um, so eight to 18 months is, is getting there, 
but should still be able to start no problem yeah yeah well we we also had a but it, <clears throat> there's that red liquid you can you put in when you store a vehicle and and it prolongs the life of the gas exactly yeah but uh and camera what it's called but. and um and and you can do the same thing even when you're when you're when it's new you can there's like you can add an uh, right an additive to try and boost it sure it's an octane booster i think but you're not expecting that at the uh, in last outbreak of a of a pandemic that kills the the population but and it's a little bit like um like it's a it's a great pop plot device to find a vehicle and be able to drive for right a bit to get from a to b sure well i was gonna say like that brian uh, ryan george with his uh he's a youtuber who does those uh pitch meetings where okay. it's, he plays both the writer and the producer and he always like disassembles the plots of, of shows <laughs> okay, okay. and that's like one of his lines where if something is illogical right like the producer will ask the writer well how does that work or why did that happen and he'll be like so the movie could happen <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> well it's like uh years and years ago i saw this uh movie by it's called the sidewalks of new york okay and I'm trying to think of who the director is. I'll, I'll include it in the, the, the Facebook page. But um, for one, I enjoyed the movie. And I actually wanted to hear the, um, the director. So this is one of those things where you could still, like on DVDs, you know, that technology. It, it's, a, it's like a, a thin plastic disc that you put in your computer yes. or your <laughs> to be able to watch you would get like the director's commentary right and yeah i watched it right uh, which is something you don't get now with streaming services uh no but if you buy like from like itunes or whatever they usually include all of the the, the extras uh, the extras yeah oh, interesting yeah. but the uh the the thing about it was uh it was he was talking about continuity Right. And, and some uh, directors will intentionally play with continuity. Oh, right. Like uh, John Favreau is known for this, where he'll actually move things. Between, okay. Like, really? So the continuity is that the thing is the, the thing, the plant is still there, but sometimes the plant now changes on purpose. Interesting. Or, or moves, like just moves like a little tiny bit on purpose. Um, <laughs> But anyway, the the director. Um, <laughs> Why? And he was well, just they're just messing with the people who are paying too much attention yeah, to okay. the wrong so, thing. Oh, the thing moved. And then, uh, uh, but the the this director from the sidewalks of New York, he goes and he, in the middle of it, he says, his comment is like sidewalks are for uh, continuities for pussies. There like you if go. your story is not good enough to keep people engaged for right. the whole time. You're doing something, there's something much bigger wrong with your movie sure. than it is, like, you know, if uh, the, the, the picture is crooked between right. scenes. Now, there's that whole other uh, level of that where, you know, especially like sci-fi fans get upset if there's a discontinuity in, in canon. Right? Well, but that's a bit of... Like different. breaking the rules of, of the show... Well, you're world making. You're yeah. you're creating a world. But, yeah, the plant moved, or you know, yeah, people got too much time on their hands, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was made by Edward Burns. Edward Burns, I know that name. Yeah, well, he was. Uh, you would recognize him if you saw him. Oh as an yeah, actor. yeah, yeah. That's him. This is him. Yeah. Yeah, so. wasn't he in? He was in Saving Private Ryan, I think. He was. You yeah. are correct. Yep. 
Um, I didn't know he was a director. He's actually more famous as a director than as an actor. Yeah, you get a lot of that. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure if he's done anything recently. He's gotten old. Yeah, well, he's he's in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah, he's as old as my brother. So there you go. Um, Yeah. Happens to the best of us. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I will. Uh, cool. I will sing, send some links to it. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's he's still an actor as well. So. Yep. Uh so I always thought it, I, I I I get him confused with Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck's oh, younger right. brother. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. so um, In fact, if I had seen this guy's picture, just I would have said, "Oh, that's Casey Affleck," but I would have been wrong. Yeah, he's he's done a whole bunch of TV yeah. and uh, right movies. Anyway, so you were on a, a I guess our, our main theme for today is that you were on a quite the voyage. The Grizzlies of the Kutsumatine. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, let me uh, so let me set the stage. So um, last year I did a trip up to the Yukon. Right. When I drove back, I drove back, and um, there was a wildfire near Watson Lake. No, I, and, but that's not the reason I changed directions. Um, I, um, there is a, there was a beaver dam that let go and wiped out a section of the Alaska highway. So my main route back. Got, <laughs> I find that highly satisfying. Cut off, cut off <laughs> for a number of days. Um, now when I got to Watson Lake, they were, they had just reopened on a temporary basis, mm. that section, mm-hmm. but I decided to go down towards Terrace. There's another route from Watson Lake up to the Yukon. It's significantly less traveled right. than the Alaska highway. It's also, I would say less scenic than the Alaska highway, okay. although it's interesting in its own, own, own way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so I went down to Terrace, and because I was a terrorist, I'm going like, I'm very close to the ocean. I should go see Prince Rupert. Yep. So um, drove to Prince Rupert. Isn't that a neat little city or town? I really like Prince Rupert. It's pretty run down. Oh, my God. Oh, is it? It's okay. A bit, uh, it's a bit of a scary place. Okay. It's been a long... We were there... 14 years ago so maybe fortunes have changed but well i would say that prince yeah. rupert's seen better days but i'm not entirely sure that it's seen better days well i i enjoyed it when we were there but um uh, it's an interesting I mean, yeah it's a work in town it's not a it's not a touristy it place, is right? well i mean there are cruise ships that show up and basically mm-hmm. when the cruise ships show up there's places they go and they roll out yeah. the welcome that's out. like skagway alaska it's the same thing. the place is just totally run down except for the strip where all the tourists come Right. You know, so you have like Cartier uh, shop and then like a block and a half in like places are unpainted and yeah. rickety. And you're like, wow, this is quite striking. Yeah. This so, the behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, uh, but I have to say like even the drive from Terrace to Prince Rupert is spectacular along the Skeena river. The Skeena is this huge river and it's, uh, I think it's, I think Skeena actually means like Misty River or something like that. Okay. And it was very misty when I went. Um, it was spectacular. Um, and as I'm st- staying there, I'm looking up information about the region. And there's this right. gr- grizzly bear sanctuary. I'm going like, oh, that'd be really cool. Next time I come to Prince Rupert, I should go to. And then I'm going like, how do you get there? Because I knew where it was because yep. it's north. But there didn't seem to be any roads to get there. Is it, is it, so it's on the main 
island, like the main, the main. It's island. on the, the main, main land. Okay. It's on the main. It's not land. over on the Prin- Princess Charlotte's or anything. Like no, that. and so, and, and so I said, oh, I should come here next time I come to Prince Rupert. That would be really right. cool. And uh, so then I, I come back, and a friend of mine who's um, an award-winning um, uh, nature photographer. Her name yep. is Jackie Matichuk. And she, um, I know her through the Professional Photographers of Canada. She's an amazing photographer. She's a Canon ambassador. And uh, she said, I'm organizing this tour to for the Grizzlies of Kutsumatin. And I'm going, like, cool. Right? So I initially tried to sign up. Couldn't actually get in because it was already full. Oh, yeah. And so, but I found out that the main way to get it is... Pulled get, some strings... Well, the main way to get it is there's a couple of... There's only two tour operators that are allowed to go into the Kutsumatin. Okay. Um, uh, one is there's like a wilderness lodge that's on giant logs. Like it's in the water. Oh, like it's interesting. Not, it's not... To, or on the water. It's not on the land. So yeah. here's the story. The Kutsumatin is this big, giant grizzly bear sanctuary that right. is about a half hour float plane trip away from Prince Rupert. Okay. It is not, you are not allowed to go to it. So there is, uh, there, you, you can't drive to it. There are no roads. Right. I was correct. There are no roads because it's by design, by design. It is remote. (laughs) It is isolated. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, what they do allow is they allow two guiding groups to go in on boats up the inlet. So the Kutsumatin is like, um, Kutsumatin actually means the head of an inlet or, okay. a, or the headwaters of a, a, a right. river. And uh, you can go on a boat and then go see these grizzly bears. And um, there's a lot of them. It's not an insignificant right. number of them. So the, the way it's set up is there's this, these, these, this mountain area, mountainous area. And it, yeah. it's quite mountainous. Okay. And they have the headwaters of the Kutsmatin Inlet. Um, is um, so it, it has tidal flows back and forth, mm-hmm. but in general the water is fresh. Okay. And there is this estuary. It's quite wide, and it has um, this plant. Uh, it's called a sedge, which uh, produces uh, a high protein level for grizzly bears, like, mm, like, a, like a, a high protein food. So okay. all the bears in the Spring, they come down from the mountains after hibernating, mm-hmm. and they start eating like that. Now, um, so what you don't see are cubs. There's no, there's almost no cubs. The right. cubs are at great risk if they come down. So the mothers don't because oh, interesting. all kinds of male bears are there, and if they see a cub, they'll kill it. So um, because uh, toxic masculinity. <laughs> well, they don't want competition, right? So if it right. is a, a a bear that is. Uh, like from a, a female that is not that bear's female, uh, then yeah. they will kill it. Interesting. Because so they want their progeny, progeny, but not any other right. bear's progeny. Sure. I guess that makes sense. So they keep the bears. There are certain up. kids I'd like to kill. So the only I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's <laughs> metaphorical. Metaphorical. So the only bears <laughs> you get are males. Right. And uh, females that don't have a mate at this time. Ah, Okay. Or are looking to make sure, them. right? And uh, occasionally a black bear in disguise, nope, perhaps black bear pretending is, to be a grizzly. Uh, well, apparently some uh, black bears show uh, up there, but they don't last very long. They are say. along the same lines as the cubs; they tend to get killed. Um, so uh, there are a lot of bears. There's a lot of 
grizzly bear interactivity between them. It was quite yeah. Like I, so I some thought, fighting. Uh, I saw a little bit of fighting. Uh, I saw some attempted mating. We saw some oh, yeah. uh, some playing play fighting. We right. also saw like so. There was this one. We were watching this bear along this cliffside, and the bear was watching. We were following it, and. The, our guide was really good, right? Like he'd try and find a location where he could partially ground the boat just so that everything was stable. Sure. This is a photographer. Right. Tour. So just a whole bunch of photographers, right? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and, yeah. So I, I managed to get on Jackie's tour after after the whole shenanigans. Good for you. And, uh, and it was absolutely worthwhile. Well, Great right bunch of people. They yep. were super fun to be around. Yeah. And uh, it was tiring because we were, we were working hard. I probably took uh, probably in the order of 12 or 15,000 photos. Wow. So I'm trying to go through them. Like one day sure. on its own was 6,000. So it was, man, um, this is one of the things with these new digital cameras. Right? Of course like you can uh, just go nuts. And I, I do have a healthy appreciation for the camera's ability to focus. Like it right. just totally, it's a game changer. Uh, in a lot of so, ways. so how many days were you, actually up in in the kutsumatin so uh i was up in the kutsumatin for four days okay uh, well three three trip. days three days and uh four nights okay yeah and uh so we flew uh into prince rupert on a saturday it's right. a bit of a journey to get there yeah, yeah you yeah, fly yeah. to vancouver and then Van there's only one flight per day in and out of Prince Rupert. Right. There's, that's it. And it's the airport itself is an adventure. Oh, yeah. Because you basically, so you go to Vancouver, Vancouver to Prince Rupert to the island. The island is on, the, the airport is on an island. Oh, okay. So then you get off of the plane. You don't right. collect your bags. No. You get on and a bus. And this would be what, like a, like a, uh, twin prop no no the the plane was like a regular 737 oh really thing. interesting yeah. okay yeah and uh you get on to uh you get on to the plane uh, yeah. uh or you off, get the, off plane. the plane and then you get into the and it looks like a regular airport um, but there's no directions there's no instructions there's no nothing and uh our guide jackie said just go straight through carry on get on the white bus and there's no sign saying this, but everybody just got on the white bus. So most of the people were clearly regulars. You get on the bus, you don't collect your bags, even though there's a baggage carousel. And you're going like, well, what's the baggage carousel there for? But you just carry on. And Don't worry about your bags, sir. We'll then you get care. on a bus. And then the bus takes you on a drive, probably about 10, 15 minutes. Okay. And then you get on a ferry. Right. So the bus takes you on a ferry. And sure. you cross... To Prince Rupert, and then you go, and and then it drives you again for another like ten minutes, maybe five or ten minutes, and then you're at a bus depot that is primarily for like for the plane. Okay. And then you wait, and all your bags are delivered. Somehow the bags magically appear. I don't entirely understand. Interesting. 
But uh, so they weren't loaded on the bus. It was they were not vehicle. loaded on the bus. Uh, there was clearly a different vehicle. I did not see this other vehicle, but wow. clearly it was it's also probably like a little footbridge. <laughs> you could be there in ten minutes, but they're like maybe we do this whole. We have a baggage carousel that goes over the water. Yeah, we did this whole rigmarole, you know, for the for the tourists. They so and seem it's to a, enjoy it, and it's the same thing. So when you come, you basically go to this bus depot, leave your bag, you leave your bag, get on the bus, and so your bags are not tagged. They are not tagged. Interesting. They, you get on the bus, all your bags disappear. Then you go to the airport, and then the baggage carousel comes around, and then you collect your bag, and then you go into uh, you go to the the bag check, and you check your bag, and then you put it on a different carousel, and it goes in. Wow. And, and it gets. This extra. certainly has a sense of this is how we always this is how we've always done it. For one flight per day. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Well, some guy's job, probably. I'm the guy that takes the bags from here to there. So, you know, you improve the process. Yeah, it cost him his job. There you go. Yeah, wow. So, so then... Uh, yeah, no, we didn't go. We, we drove into Rupert, so I never saw the airport. But Well, uh, in the airport, while well, the airport is on a different island. you got to yeah, take a ferry. Apparently. You'd have to pay for the ferry to get there. Yeah, it wouldn't be much of a point. No. Interesting. Um, then, uh, so that was the Saturday. So we overnighted in Prince Rupert. And then the next morning, bright and early, we fly. And then we're on the boat, like, almost right away. We wow. check our stuff and, and we're going sure. there. So we would Maximize, be up, yeah. um, like, at 7 in the morning, have breakfast, and then go out. So I went with Ocean Light Adventures. Mm. Um, so it's actually a boat. So you stay on the boat. The boat um, uh, is anchored relatively close to this estuary yeah. and then um and then they take you on a small zodiac and you go up um there the, that's one guiding operation there's another guiding o- operation called the kutsumatine wilderness lodge okay so this is that is actually a floating lodge lodge uh that is much further out in the inlet yep and, and they have two big boats and uh those bigger boats are able to get in Right. They can't go as quite as shallow as the Zodiac that we were on okay. because it's they're much bigger boats. Yep. But they're also uh, pretty good. And there's only two boats allowed in the estuary at, at one time. So when the estuary, when you have to wait till high tide. So when you can go out is highly dictated based upon the tide table. Right. So only when it's high tide does the water high enough. And then all of a sudden all these channels in the sedge... Yeah. become apparent sure the boats can get in and then you can be like really close like really 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 close so there's um so i posted one photo of a bear and that bear um walked within about 10 15 feet i of think us. you said in that. fact uh yeah. in fact the uh, the woman who was in front was very concerned that this bear was going to continue walking and walk right into the boat because we were grounded okay and everybody was standing up taking photos and our guide couldn't quite see the bear because all the photographers were in the way. <laughs> so he's like, Whoa. and then all of a sudden he said, "Ooh!" And then he started. Uh, he he got the bear, the the boat, the boat. out. But yeah. uh, it, was, uh, it was. So do they carry any kind of weapon as an emergency? Because no, obviously, had, being a sanctuary, they would be frowning upon. They had killing uh, bears. They had but, bear spray. In, okay, but uh, but they're. What was really apparent is the the way the guides had approached this is the guides had um, it's not they're not the bears are not habituated to human um, humans but they are right. not 
concerned about the humans. Right. I think that's a better way to describe sure. it. So, so the, the guides will come close and do not disturb the bears and if the bears right. are disturbed they back out right away right right so um so what happens is the bears learn that if they ignore they they don't have to worry about the humans because they're not a threat but um and the humans will not interrupt or disrupt them right so what i ended up with a lot of photos is a lot of pictures of grizzly bear asses because they're not really <laughs> just they're say not interested bear so, butts so they're 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 pointing the other way around right and a lot of pictures of grizzly bears eating sedge. Yeah. Um, but there's also lots of times when we got other interesting activity. And you, it, would, it would go through this, this setup where you're kind of thinking like, wow, that was amazing. I can't believe we saw this. And, and you're thinking like, there's no way we're going to top this. This is like as good as it gets. And right. then the next day was better. Even better. And then the next well, day was awesome. even better. Right. So um, we had like different activities. At one point in time, there's we have um, I have a picture of a uh, like at one point in time, this bear is sitting there and he's got, he's got this other bear on another little island. Like, okay, and they're looking at each other, and the bear kind of reaches up and kind of looks like he's waving at the other bear. And our guide says, you know, I've been doing this for 33 years. I have never seen that kind of activity from a bear. They just don't do that kind of thing. Uh oh, it's kind of like this. It was kind of like he was waving and uh -oh. saying, "Hey, I'm good over here." That's not good. That's like the orcas, man. They're starting to organize. Well, he was. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> so it was it a was, grizzly riding an orca, destroying a boat. The other thing that was really interesting is, every, is a lot of times uh, the bears will stand up because right. they're worried about a threat or they sure. they think about so they stand up and when they stand up uh, they look like Yogi Bear yeah <laughs> like they really really look like Yogi Bear because of that they kind of they yeah, look, not so cute. And they mm -hmm. they kind of they kind of turn pear shaped, because right? All their sure, weight absolutely. Hangs yeah. Down yeah. And, and, but Yogi Bear, but with like um, no uh, hat, like Edward Scissorhands, with right. like their their claws are huge. I know it's crazy, right? And yeah. um, the other thing uh, is, so when the, it's slightly lower, the, uh, when the it's not exactly high tide. Uh, the bears will do, some bears will do clamming where they go and they'll dig into the ground. Oh, right. And they'll pull out clams. And apparently this is learned behavior. So only oh. the mothers that teach their cubs how to clam will know how to clam. The other bears don't actually know how to, because you got to find the clams. So right. They're very sensitive snozolas. Sure. Yep. And uh, then you got to cook the clams. Yeah, exactly. It's a big rigmarole. Well, the other thing is, <laughs> is so these bears, uh, I saw a bear and he was clamming. So he'd go out and they, like, there was a quick flick with his claw. Right. And he's, uh, he's basically extricated the meat out of it. Ah, like it was, so it's a it technique. Was, it was very fast. I bet. And as the bear was doing this, there was all these um, ravens hanging mm. around, uh, picking up the leftovers sure like it was pretty amazing that's awesome so uh two other things i wanted to to point so we saw this really cool behavior so we saw this young female youngish probably five or six years old okay uh, but smaller was really interested in mating right and there was this big bear and he was uh 
They his name was Flank. Not all the bears have names. Flank. Some of them have names. Not all of them. Well, he clearly has a scar on his flank. Ah. So I think that may be why. It's he's funny got they that. didn't call him Scar. What? Well, I'm sure they have bears named Scar. We had one named Patches because she had all these patches of scars. <laughs> but um, but uh, this this bear Flank, he, he was like the Shaquille O'Neal of grizzlies. Like he was super tall. He was huge. Okay. Right, but but skinny, like like Shaq when he was younger. But uh, <laughs> but like like really like probably twice as big as this female. Wow. And um and this female was really interested in mating with with uh, Flank, so she was kind of chasing him. So we got to see all that cool interaction and behavior and flank was kind of not super interested and so it was part of uh there's like a he's just playing it cool he was playing it cool and so there was this uh, this area i think it was called cedar they have names for these little out outlets okay spots uh of flat land where, yep. where there's lots of sedge and um so the two of them were one end and then as we went out on the boat we saw at the other end there was another male uh, there was a younger male similar age to the 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 female and uh and his name was scout this is the one that almost went in the boat okay and he's merrily chomping away he's oblivious to the fact that there is another uh another male and the wind was such that the wind was going from scout to the other two but the other okay. two were oblivious to the fact that scout was there mm. he's merrily going along and then we realize scout is moving towards where the other two and the other two were very slowly moving towards so we're going something might happen here ah yes so we're you know we're doing this and then uh, so we went first to the 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 couple and then we went to because then Flank decided he was going to sleep and he wasn't interested in mating with the young female, the young females hanging around. And then, so we went to where Scout was and Scout was doing his thing. And then all of a sudden we, 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 we came out and we realized, oh, they're moving towards each other. They're, there's going to be something going on. And then all of a sudden, Something's gonna Flank standing up and he's looking, what's going on here? And we're going like, oh, there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight. And the female starts running towards Scout. And then we can't see... We see Scout very briefly, and then he disappears. And uh, so the, the the male flank starts carrying on and goes to where Scout was. And we're going, like, where the hell did Scout go? And then all of a sudden we look, and Scout has done an end loop around. And he's trying to mate with this female behind this... Uh, so this scout who's more the same size as the female bear is trying to mate with the female bear. The female bear seems to be interested. And this gigantic male bear that could rip scout to shreds. Flank. He's oblivious. He has he doesn't realize that his his uh like he's going after scout but scout has done an end run around him and is totally taking advantage of the situation so nice. it's super interesting I Ton, bet. tons yeah. of really drama cool. in the forest drama in the yeah, forest yeah that's great um the other interesting thing is uh about eagles so okay. uh when we were in prince rupert in particular like there's lots of eagles i was shocked yeah i didn't realize that eagles are kind of scavengers 
We saw a bunch on the West Coast Trail. Yeah, yeah they're, I'm they're sure quite you, prevalent. They are they are remarkably prevalent. There were yeah. so many eagles in Prince Rupert, um, and um, apparently they like to hang out particularly near the the marina. Right, and um, and they hang out for the fishing boats because they're looking to try and get a free meal as much as possible. Of course, and there were so many uh, golden eagles. Apparently, Benjamin Franklin was really disappointed. This is the story I was told. Okay, was really disappointed when uh, the Americans wanted to use the eagle as the national symbol because he thought it was a scavenger. And there is oh. definitely something to that. They are, but the bald eagle is not. Right? Yeah, they it's, all it's, are. It's no, an, no, it's there a was noble bald. beast, is it not? No, they're they're all the same. Oh. so we saw bald eagles, golden eagles, and um, mostly those two: bald right. eagles and golden eagles. And apparently, you can tell the difference by the color of the beak. Ah, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Here you go. Um, anyway, so that was my adventure. Was, wow. Uh, and I like, uh, is this a, a pricey uh, undertaking? Well, the, uh, the tour to get in for like three or four days is somewhere around three or four grand. Okay. But that includes meals and accommodation. Right. Uh, you still have to get there. So fundamentally sure. you have to get there. The and, trip. Yeah. How uh, was the lodge? Uh, well, so I was not at the lodge. I was on the boat. The boat was really, was really nice. Like, uh, remarkably stable. Like, uh, I mean, this is a 60 foot um, motor yacht yep. uh, that is essentially f intended for guiding. At one point in time, it was used for hunting, mm. but now it's just used for this uh, conservation. Right. And, um, and the couple that runs it, uh, Jen and Chris, they've been doing it for a very long time. So, and there's a long history of. Uh, of conservation with uh, these, this group with uh, grizzly bears for like for, oh, interesting. for many decades. Right. So um, super worthwhile. Cool. Uh, it is still relatively un, untouristy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes a word. It is definitely there's two guiding operations that, that get tourists out there. Yeah. But it is still not... Um, it's not overrun with tourists. Yeah, well, sure. let's hope they kind of keep it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a limit. So usually what happens when you limit it and there's enough demand, the price goes up. But Right. But, um, I mean, this is pretty remote. And it's, in the, you know, the the, the, uh, the accommodation includes the cost of the float plane, too. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah. So getting the, so you basically meet and the float plane there and float plane back. So. Nice. Wow, that sounds a great experience. So yeah. you will be posting some photos on the on the Facebook, on the Facebook page. Sure. Absolutely, fantastic. Why not? All right. Um, so, have you consumed any media because you were away? Well, remarkably, during my trip, I had almost no chance to consume uh, media. Uh, it really was, you know, you get up, you go, 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 and then right. you go to sleep, and that's. When did you get back? I got back last uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday, late last Wednesday. Okay, so we didn't record. We didn't record because I didn't get back in that time. That day, right, yeah. Okay, so, this, uh, so you've yes. been back for a week now. I've been back for a week, yeah. Right. And uh, still haven't gone through all my photos. Yeah, I'm, well, 15,000. Well, the other thing is, so I, I was shooting with um, a different kind of setup from everybody else. I mean, we had a Canon ambassador, so most of the photographers that were there were shooting Canon. Canon shoot is like the number one manufacturer of uh, 
of cameras, so not entirely surprising that most right. of them had, were shooting Canon. There were a couple of Nikon users, uh, and then me with my uh, Olympus. The thing about my Olympus stuff is that it was able to keep up. So all of these guys are shooting with some pretty expensive, pretty fancy gear, and I was able to keep up. There you go. And uh, good so, for you. So uh, I, I, it was, uh, yeah. So it, it can be done. So basically between all the photographers, it's going to be like 80,000 pictures of this trip floating oh, around. Easily, easily, <laughs> easily. Well, it was funny because one of the photographers, and she was shooting um, a Nikon setup, and she was going, complaining. Uh, she's got like 3,000 photos. I go like, I got four times that much. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah, there's a lot more. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So the advantage is the new camera systems can focus, which is really hard to do with these right. fast moving kind of on the run like that. Yeah. Low light circumstances. Well, good. I'm In glad. fact, I, I bought a lens um, thinking that it would help me out and I ended up not using it. I actually have returned the lens. I've never returned a lens before. Oh, wow. And uh, because um, because it just when I looked at the photos, the images from that lens were soft. Mm. so um i would never use them and uh it just it just didn't keep up with i have i have this one weird lens it's a prime um it's a 600 millimeter equivalent uh f4 and it's fast and the images are sharp right even though it is so you can't zoom so it's either whatever the frame is the frame got it and i'm not a boat so i can't move forward or back to make sure more room or yeah. less room so, but I just uh, sucked it up and the images turned out crazy sharp. So, cool. Anyway. Well, that's great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I have, since I came back, I've been watching this third season of the Umbrella Academy. I have no idea where it's going. It's oh, a bit, of a, bit of a mess. I don't know if we even finished the second season. I do. My... The second season was good. Uh, it, yeah. ended, it ended on a particularly good... Uh, like, well, it was a good place to end. Yeah. Um, and if this the series had ended there, it would have been okay. It carried on. Ah. Okay. And uh, so there is a season three. And I have to say that the, I think you may have jumped the shark. Oh, is Elliot Page still in it? Yeah. So Elliot Page is a star. Okay. Uh, gets top billing for it. Um and uh, the character is a transgender character. Convenient. So, very convenient. <laughs> and uh, the family completely accepts him. Of course. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and it's not a big part of, like, it just happens. It's sure. It's not a big part of the story. That's what I like, you know, just like, let's not make a big deal out of it. Uh, I'll have to talk to my kids because we watched the first season as a family and then I think we sort of dropped off. So I'll see if they're interested in revisiting like diego and uh the gorilla guy and all that so. yeah, exactly luther luther and yeah. uh yeah no i enjoy that so you're enjoying that okay good i'm enjoying that um uh today uh or as as we're recording this is the dropping of the secret invasion yep episode one i have not watched any of it um, nope neither right and uh and right now i'm preparing we're going my wife and I are going to a thing freezer called burn, Freezer Burn. Yeah. So we leave tomorrow. Nice. And uh, won't be back till Monday. Yep. 
and uh, yeah, it's a uh, freezer burn is like a small scale. It's a Alberta regional um, Burning Man. Right. So right. we'll see uh, see if I'm even interested in going to Burning Man. It will be uh, anyway. I thought you went to Freezer Burn last year. No, Lori went. I oh, Lori went. This is your first. This is, I'm a I'm a newbie. Burning uh, experience. Yeah. 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 Well, we saw the first episode of season two of Strange New Worlds, which I really enjoyed. Strange New Worlds. Star Trek. Oh, oh, is that that's drunk? Yep. Okay, I did yeah. not. So I really enjoyed it. I've seen it twice now because my wife fell asleep. But uh, <laughs> but uh, really, really good. Continuing on with the theme. In fact, it was character development for some of the uh, sort of tertiary characters in the first episode was really good. Did you ever finish the Mandalorian? You guys didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people didn't like the third season. I thought it was, except for that one weird episode, which was just like, why is this here? Yeah. But the rest of it I thought was okay. And I went to see The Flash because it was Father's Day and I wanted to see The Flash. And was it worth it? <sighs> yes and no. There's or a just lot no. of people that like it. There's a lot of people that hate it. It was, it was okay. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, 10 times better. This was okay. You know, um, a resounding. Okay. I mean, it was elements of it that were really good. It was almost like when it was, when it was good, like Keaton, right. Um, it was like, wow, this is great. Right. And, and Ezra Miller, as weird as he is and all actually, he's not a bad actor. Like he's playing, you know, the split screen. So he did a pretty good job keeping it together. And, and story was okay. I mean, a lot of people are upset about the multiverse being like already kind of done where it really fell apart. It's funny. Cause the CGI, like a lot of people are complaining about it and there were sequences where it's in the multiverse and it really looks goofy. Right. So they made the argument that no, 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 we did that on purpose to like have like a stylized kind of look. They bring back cameos of dead actors and whatnot. And it's like, yeah, okay. I can buy that. But then there was other scenes that were part of the main story that the CGI was just horrible. And that's a little bit harder to like horrible enough that it was distracting where instead of being in the moment, you're going, Oh my God, this looks like garbage. Oh wow! And yet there was other parts like Keaton, the Batman fighting scenes, which are obviously CGI were awesome. Or even the, what they were able to do with the split screen with the two Ezra Millers, you know, really good. So it was all over the place. And then it has a weird twist at the end where you sort of go, well, what the hell does that mean? Like, what like, what was the point of that? So it's... Was it a 3D movie? Or? Well, I didn't see it in 3D. I don't know if it's even offered in 3D. Okay. So when you find out a little bit more about, like, how long it took to get it made, they, have, they went through six directors. It's, it's classically the studio kind of meddling right and putting stuff in there and so you can see warner brothers is is kind of in trouble yeah. so we'll see if james gunn can refresh the whole thing and start from scratch so yeah and then uh, they had a post-credit scene which made no sense at all it's like again why would you just cut that it's just garbage so i was a bit disappointed partly because apparently they paid like Stephen King was praising it and Tom Cruise. Now it turns out, eh, that might have been kind of bullshit. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. 
that some of these people maybe were paid to paid say how it. great it was. Oh wow, it's great. And it wasn't that great. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm looking forward to Trump Cruz's uh, new uh, MI seven or whatever. Uh, yeah, apparently he it's is part one. He's pretty pissed. He's because pretty of, pissed uh, because Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer yeah. has uh, scooped up all the because uh, he's he's the part IMAX. of an independent independent film production uh so he doesn't so whereas somehow oppenheimer is tied to uh is it disney or it's one of the the big studios studios, and it's scooped up all the imax yeah so and uh tom cruise is by far the last great american film actor like he's just he just does movies doesn't do tv right doesn't do anything else yep and um so he's really trying hard to free up some IMAX and VIP experiences for uh, for uh, for his his show. But anyway. I have to say, I, I saw some pictures of him recent, and he's beginning to look a little long in the tooth. Like yeah. even in in Top Gun last year, he looked you know looked pretty much the, the same. Well, or he, a little he, bit older. He looked the same in the sh- the movie, right? But there was an intro where he comes in and he introduces the film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did that's not right. look no. so good in the no. intro. So he's starting to show a little bit of wear and tear there. Well, so, you know, we all age. Uh, I guess he's not clear. I, I am. Uh, Gotta get on them sticks and get clear, my man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, that's it for this week. So, uh, next week will be our last of season two. What? And we will, we will have to start a season oh, three. That's right. Have we negotiated the uh, DVD release yet? The rights? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. It is. All right. Um, have a great week. Yeah, you too, man. And enjoy Freezer Burn. Yeah. Should be quite an experience. You're going to get fucked up, or what's the plan? <laughs> no. No, okay. It's not me. That's not, that's not what I do. Ah, uh, getting uh, older. <laughs> no, I Come never. Back. It was great. I don't remember any of it. Yeah, okay. It was a good weekend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I remember Friday, and then we came home on Monday, and I'm not sure what happened between. Oh, exactly. But I got this weird tattoo. <laughs> That's not a tattoo. It looks like a brand. Oh, that would explain why it's so painful. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Game back. <laughs>